Welcome to OncoFarm. I'm your host, John Bazaar. I am a professor of pharmacy practice here at our supporting sponsor, ETSU's Bill Gatton College of Pharmacy. It is a chilly, uh, wintry uh, November 2nd here in East Tennessee, and I'm a little under the weather, as you might be able to hear uh, in my, uh, my raspy voice. Uh, today we're going to do a Landmarks of OncoFarm episode, one that I have been... Um, you know, planning to do for a while with all of the recent data about perioperative or neoadjuvant or induction uh, chemotherapy with immune checkpoint inhibitors in stage three non-small cell lung cancer. And as I mentioned uh, at the, uh, when we wrapped up kind of what came out of uh, ESMO uh, 23 that, you know, resectability uh, can be defined surgically, it can be defined medically, but ultimately it, it lies in, in the hands of the surgeon and are they willing to do surgery? If they are, it's resectable. If they're not, it's considered unresectable. So I actually got three papers that I'm gonna kind of briefly highlight here that'll be linked uh, in the show notes um, that I think are maybe indicative of kind of the, the story over time and, and what really is a complicated space here in stage three non-small cell lung cancer. There also very likely has been a change um, in staging of non-small cell lung cancer um, during this time and that may muddy the waters. I'm not gonna get into that. I know there used to be a wet 3B, which is now stage four, and I don't think that applies here to the, to the 3A, 3B designation, okay? So we're gonna start in 1990. 1990, um, uh, gosh, I was seven years old in 1990. Here were the top grossing mo movies of 1990. Ghost, which introduced a generation to the Righteous Brothers. Uh, Pretty Woman, which introduced a generation to Roy Orbison. Home Alone, one of my favorite uh, holiday Favorites number four, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Didn't care for the movie, loved the animated show. The Hunt for Red October introduced a generation to the Cold War. Uh, other notable ones, 17, a movie that made me uh, really dislike long movies that went on to win Oscars, Dances with Wolves. Um, 34, Goodfellas came to it later in life. Number 72, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, another one I watch every year. Uh, by the way, if you're interested in movies, you can follow me on Letterboxd uh, at Bazaar. Um, my last name. The, uh, this is Dillman and colleagues from 1990 in the New England Journal of Medicine. And this is, uh, at the time, the standard of care for stage 3 non-small cell lung cancer was radiation. Psh, radiation. Boom. One and done. And then because of the, the benefit that was seen with cisplatin-based chemotherapy in the metastatic setting, this was a randomized study. Relatively small, only 155 people or so in this study and they're randomized to what they call induction chemotherapy, then radiation, or what had been the standard of care, radiation. So chemotherapy here was cisplatin, 100 milligrams per squared on days one and 29, so every four weeks, with weekly doses of then blasting, five milligrams per squared, days one, eight, 15, 22, 29. So basically five straight weeks of, of then blasting, plus, uh, or then they got a 50 gray, uh, sorry, 60 gray radiation over six week period of time if they got chemo first. Our one-year overall survival rates here are 40 versus 55% favoring chemo than RT, 13 versus 26% favoring chemo followed by RT, and 11 versus 23%. So more than a doubling in three-year overall survival in uh, a sequential chemoradiation arm compared to radiation alone. And this uh, then would lead to studies of sequential versus uh, combination um, chemoradiotherapy where we learned that chemoradiation together were better, although they could not tolerate 
cisplatin, 100 milligrams per meter squared, which we will see in the, the next study, which is from uh, Kathy Albain, 1995, in the, um, in the uh, Journal of Clinical Oncology. This was a paper I cited in my very first case report, uh, looking at a potential drug drug interaction between etoposide and echinacea because this patient on this regimen had severe, had grade 4 thrombocytopenia, which actually was uncommon. We went, we went back to the study to say, hey, this is not common. Um, so 1995, um, you know, I, I won't go through the top grossing movies. I'm just going to maybe talk about the notable ones. Number two was Apollo 13, grossing through the year. By the way, top grossing movie in the calendar year doesn't make a lot of sense because, like, uh, you know, in 1990, when um, National Lampoon's Christmas Story came out, it came out at the end of the year, around Christmas, so it didn't have a full year, so it's a flawed metric. Uh, number three was Toy Story. Number five, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, When Nature Calls, the perfect movie for a 12-year-old boy, which I was in 1995. Number seven, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Uh, one of my favorite, my favorite Die Hard movie, the last scene uh, on the bridge, actually saw on the old bridge in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, number 18, Dumb and Dumber, another perfect movie for a 12-year-old boy. Number 20, Outbreak, a movie that made me want to go into to medicine or pharmacy. Uh, Tommy Boy, another really perfect movie. Usual Suspects, Forrest Gump, Billy Madison, it's no Happy Gilmore. And then Pulp Fiction Casino also came out that year. I came to Pulp Fiction Casino much later in life than at age 12. So this is a, um, back to the study, this is actually a phase two study which I'm going to talk about, again, because I cited I have some familiarity with this, this paper. This is concurrent cis-etoposide plus radiation followed by surgery in stage 3A or 3B non-small cell lung cancer. It's a phase 2 study uh, from the Southwestern Oncology Group. Now, this study was actually designed in 1988. It gets published in 95. Just to give you some context, that, you know, information came out at a much slower pace in the 90s than now, where just this week we're getting press releases about overall survival benefit confirmed for this drug in the adjuvant setting or that drug in, in whatever setting. Um, now, the, 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 um, the introduction here does a nice job talking about, you know, in the past, pre-surgery radiation would actually clear mediastinal lymph nodes um, and then they would go to surgery, but they would have, you know, late relapse. So long-term survival wasn't improved necessarily uh, by doing radiation uh, prior to surgery. These were, these were 3A and 3B folks here. Um, there were some studies before giving, um, basically showing you give chemo and radiation at the same time, um, and that led to, uh, you know, like two-year survival rate of 30% similar to what we saw, or at least in the same ballpark of this Dillman study from 1990. Um, so this is looking at, uh, you know, patients who were, um, uh, were stage 3A or 3B non-small cell lung cancer. They have a credit clearance of at least 50 an FEV1 of at least two liters, uh, a white count of 4,000, and a plate count of 100,000. Those are the, you'll see there are some hold parameters here to look into. So they, um, they're not randomized. The phase two studies, they're getting cisplatin 50 milligrams per squared on day one and 29. Think of it as two cycles, given four weeks apart. And then etoposide, 50 milligrams per meter squared. Oh, let me back up, sorry, cisplatin, um, 50 milligrams per meter squared on days one, eight, 29, and 36. So think of it as weeks one and two of a four-week cycle for two cycles. And then etoposide was 50 milligrams per meter squared on days one through five, and then 29 through 33. Think of it as, as day one through five with two cycles. Now that is given concurrently with 45 gray of radiation. This is the most aggressive concurrent uh, chemo RT regimen we have in non-small cell lung cancer. 
the uh, these patients were relatively young, a median age of 55 years, 97% uh, performance status uh, of ECOG 0 or 1. 126 patients, pretty small study, uh, and they found that 68% of these people were able to go on to receive surgery after concurrent chemoradiation. Uh, of those who had surgery, 21%, they found no disease. They don't use the term pathologic complete response rate, had not been invented yet, but that's pretty comparable actually to what you saw in some of the early immune checkpoint inhibitor plus chemotherapy uh, papers that have come out in recent years. Um, now, I would not be shocked if you, uh, you know, a pharmacist working uh, in community practice, you may not have seen this regimen because it's very, very toxic. Uh, in fact, grade four toxicities, uh, esophagitis four, mucositis one, diarrhea one, emesis two, renal one, um, myelosuppression was the most common. 16 people or 13% had grade four leukopenia. Um, from the, the cisplatin and the atoposide. The 10% of people, 13 people out of 126, a little over 10%, died from tumor-related side effects. Very toxic, one in 10 dying uh, from this regimen prior to surgery, which we thought uh, may have been curative. Um, so very, very toxic study. Uh, and all these patients initially were unresectable because of bulky disease uh, or extranodal disease, uh, T4 tumors, you know, they were surgically inoperable and 68% were able to have surgery after this regimen, which was very aggressive, but also very toxic. And this sets the stage then for Albain and colleagues, same author in uh, write, uh, publishing in Lancet in 2009, so 14 years after that phase two study was published in JCO. Top grossing movie of 2009, I'd never heard of this, Transformer Revenge of the Fallen, which means there was an earlier Transformer I somehow missed. Number two is Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, which I saw in the theater uh, with my future wife, having not read any of the Harry Potter books or seen any of the prior movies. Number six, The Hangover. Number 25, Inglorious Bastards, wonderful film. Number 43, Coraline, um, which I just watched recently with my wife and, the, and uh, my daughters. Wonderful family movie to watch uh, leading up to Halloween. Uh, number 62, Funny People, starring Adam Sandler, uh, which has an AML experimental drug subplot that has absolutely zero scientific holes. Okay, so uh, this Albane paper from uh, 2009 in Lancet is looking at um, patients who are about age 60, uh, about 200 patients, um, and they are, um, uh, these are, these are again, stage 3 patients, and this is an interesting study design. They all are getting chemoradiation. They're all getting that same cisplatin etoposide. Cisplatin 50 on days 1 and 8, etoposide 50 milligrams per meter squared days 1 through 5, and then you do it all again four weeks later for two cycles with 45 gray of concurrent radiation. And then they're randomized after completing uh, concurrent chemoradiation to either surgery or more radiation. And then they would finish radiation up to 61 gray or go to surgery. And then they got two cycles of consolidation chemo with the same regimen. So cisplatin 50, etoposide 50, which would be better tolerated uh, the second time around, or the third and fourth time around, if you think of it as cycles, because they're not getting radiation afterwards. So they did all get consolidation chemotherapy. Um, now, you do see a statistically significant improvement in progression-free survival in those that got surgery, and you are seeing a little bit of a plateau effect maybe um, after, um, after about three years here. But you do not see a statistically significant difference in overall survival, despite having... Uh, you know, more, having 100 patients in, in each arm in, in what's a pretty pretty bad disease with a pretty high likelihood of dying. We do see that if it's surgery, that there is no disease in the lymph nodes. That has a very, very large prognostic factor here. Uh, but there was no statistically significant improvement overall survival with 
surgery. Now that's going to be dependent on the quality of the surgery and also um, the health of the person going after. Again, these are folks, they are 60, but they're likely lifelong smokers. Um, and as we invest more and more in drug development and more and more drugs, uh, if we invested in really intensive smoking cessation counseling for these folks, that probably would have um, you know, a modest overall survival benefit as well for these folks that are able to tolerate all this, all this treatment. So, um, you know, I, I point, you know, highlight these three studies because we we're using all three modalities here. Uh, Looking at the study, chemo, radiation, and surgery. Um, the chemo is um, is the maybe the easy part here, uh, although you don't see a lot of the chemo or the cis etoposide uh, regimen concurrent with chemo because it is tough to tolerate. You see more carboplatin and paclitaxel, and there are, are you know regimens with. Um, you know, the Keynote 671 was cis-gymcitabine or cis-pemetrexid, depending on, on uh, histology. If you got squamous histology, uh, you didn't get a pemetrexid regimen, for example, and, and probably easier to tolerate than the cis-platinetoposide. Um, notably, all of these perioperative immune checkpoint inhibitor studies are not comparing to chemoradiation. Um, and in the Pacific study that established Durvalumab as consolidation therapy after concurrent cis uh, platin-based chemo and radiation and non-resectable disease. They didn't get consolidation chemo in the placebo arm, which they did in both of these arms here in this uh, most recent Albane study from 2009 that I highlighted. So I, I hope that provides some context here. Difficult treatment, uh, different, sorry, difficult disease to treat, diff difficult pa patient population. Uh, so hopefully this adds some, some context after hearing about immune checkpoint inhibitors moving further up in therapy. They certainly have a, a huge role in this disease. Um, we just got to figure out the best way to use them in conjunction with chemo and radiation and potentially surgery uh, and hope that we can cure more patients with stage 3 non-small cell lung cancer because that's uh, ultimately what we're here for as clinicians is to, to help people live longer and better and hopefully cure more folks. Thank you all for listening. I will be back next week talking about something else. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at FarmDeetNib or, or what used to be called Twitter and you can follow the podcast on X and Instagram. Uh, and threads at Pod. And until I talk to you again, remember, doses matter.